Well, we're going to continue in our series out of the book of Acts, and Michael Hansen's going to be right. sharing with us today, so let's give it up for Michael. Woo-hoo. Wow. Hello? Am I there? Yep. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is a great crowd. I guess you're all watching the game last night. The Canucks were playing. Okay, but uh, uh, I think it was another game. Uh, hey, so we've been in this series, the, the Church in Motion. We've been going through the book of Acts. And after, uh, after this weekend, we have two more weekends in this series. And then, believe it or not, we start to ramp up to Christmas. We start our Advent series, so hard to believe the year uh, is coming to a close. But today I'm looking at Acts 26. And... Uh, if you're, a, if you're a John Grisham fan, everyone know John Grisham, uh, the lawyer, author? If you read Acts 24 through 26, to me, there's a, there's a lot of components for a good John Grisham novel. What I mean is you've got lots of courtroom drama. You've got this angry mob that, you know, they're going after this guy, Paul. You've got Paul. He's in chains. You know, he's, he's, he's a prisoner. And, and uh, just to add to the drama, Paul, if, this is the way I see it. Paul's almost got this, in the midst of all this chaos and all this attack against him as a prisoner, uh, Paul has this almost James Bondness about him. He just, if you read 24 through 26, he just has this, this calm. Right now, uh, Luke wrote the book of Acts, and maybe Luke didn't record it, but what really stands out to me when I read through these chapters where Paul's a prisoner is uh, there's nowhere where you see Paul just flipping, off, flipping out. <laughs> well, you don't, see, you don't see that either. You don't see that either. I mean, if I was in front of those guys, I may be gesturing. Yeah, you're number one, Festus. You're number one, Felix. Okay. Oh, man. We've got to start again. Let me... You, 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 that's all you're going to remember, so we may as well end the service there. <laughs> and my parents are going to listen to this one, so this will be great. What I meant, mom and dad. So, here's a guy, here's a guy who, for years and years, was off on all these missionary journeys, free as a bird, going around, traveling here, traveling there, and now suddenly, boom, he's a prisoner. And when we come into Acts 26, he's now been a prisoner for like two over two years. And again, there's nowhere where in Acts where we see Paul sort of yelling at God, what's going on? Where are you? What's happening? Something, you know, what's, what have I done wrong? Why am I in this, uh, in this predicament? And so far from, uh, uh, from losing it, on the contrary, what we see in Paul is, uh, as we read through the stories in 24 through 26, we see lots of intensity because I get the feeling this Paul, uh, he never does anything half-heartedly, but what, what we see in the midst of this, uh, this imprisonment and what he's going through is just this calmness. And there's a certain like, hey, I'm going to be fine. It's going to be fine. That stands out. And one of the reasons Paul had such a calmness about him was because of his perspective on life. And what I'm talking about is Paul had a kingdom perspective. And here's what I mean. Here's how I would define that. Kingdom perspective is a perspective where we look at life through the lens of the Bible, where we filter all that comes our way through the Bible. And what I mean is what God says about himself, what he says about us, what he says about his plans, his timeline, etc., etc., etc. Paul had a, had a kingdom perspective. That's how he lived his life. That's how he processed what came his way. And so when I look at Paul, he doesn't strike me as a guy uh, who's afraid for his life. 
I mean, I just look at the way he lives, and, I, and this is what the phrase that came to me. When I look at Paul, there's an attractive recklessness to this guy's life. There's something about the way he lived that for me is like so attractive, like, wow. That's just, I mean, that, the adventure, it's just such an adventurous life that he lives. And, you know, as I was thinking about that, uh, his perspective and how he lived, I, I had a memory. I remember as a kid uh, uh, watching television, and I grew up in Western Canada, so we had two channels, and one of them was from the Soviet Union, and uh, <laughs> almost. But uh, uh, I remember watching a magician, and again, I'm a kid, so, so for me, everything I see on TV, I mean, it, it's real. At least I thought it was real. And I remember watching this magician do that. Remember the, um, uh, the pretty, uh, saw the pretty assistant in half trick, right? When she goes in the box. And well, I remember as a kid watching this thinking, watching her get in the box and thinking, oh no. And then he gets out a saw and I'm thinking, it's sort of like, you know, when they show the slow-mo injury on ESPN. It's like, you want to watch, but you don't want to watch. Like, watch his leg. You know, it's like, and I was like, and I was like, I didn't want to look, but then I looked, and here's this guy. And what stood out to me is, you know, I thought everyone would be freaking out. Like, you can't do this. You're going to saw this woman in half. But everyone looked just, like, calm, cool as anything. Right? There's the magician has that goofy, you know, magician face. Like, hey, what am I doing? You know, it's like, and there's the pretty assistant, and she's just, like, waving her hand. And, like, it's like, this is nothing. Well, well, how, how is that possible? How was it that in the midst of what should have been uh, uh, just a frightening, scary situation. How is it that they were just so relaxed? Well, it's because they knew, you know, they knew that everything was going to be okay in the end. That they knew that even though the, it looked like, boy, this is going to be bad, they knew that in the end, it's going to be fine. Well, that's Paul. Paul had a kingdom perspective. He, he looked at his life through that lens that whatever's going on here, whatever struggle, whatever, uh, you know, any unfairness, any challenges, sickness, uh, uh, prison. Uh, he knew that in the end, even death, he knew that everything is going to be all right because he had a kingdom perspective. So what we want to look at this morning is I want to look at three things uh, that grew in Paul's life because of the perspective that he had. So let's, let's pray and, uh, and then we'll jump into Acts 26. So Lord, I... <clears throat> just, I thank you for each one that's here. And uh, most of all, like, just like JT was saying this morning, we thank you for your presence. It makes all the difference in the world to just let that thought just roll around our, our minds and our hearts that you're here with us. We're not just doing some Christian Sunday routine, but we've come into the presence of the Creator. We're in the presence of the one who... who who, was, who knows this guy we're talking about, who knows Paul. We're, talking, we're in the presence of the one who, who helped Paul walk through all the stuff he walked through. You get people, Lord. And I just pray today that you would come and be personal with each one here. You know what's going on in, in each life, each family. Lord, I pray that you would come and uh, just be face-to-face -face with each one. Just come and grow our perspective, change our perspective, give us more of a kingdom perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, Acts 26, you can turn your Bibles. Uh, we have Bibles at the front and the back. If you don't have one, uh, feel free to grab one. <clears throat> We're gonna start with just the first three verses. Here we go. <clears throat> Acts 26, verse one. It says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, 
You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Let's stop there. Okay, so again, we're talking about because of Paul's kingdom perspective, you know, we're going to talk about these things that grew in his life, and and the first one was because of his kingdom perspective, Paul had a big mission. Okay, number one in your notes is mission. He had a big mission, and here's what I mean by that. When... Uh, when God drafted Paul, if you're familiar in Acts 9, like he's riding his horse and God knocks him off his horse and it's just this you know, crazy experience. He talks to him, you come follow me, I've got plans for you. He totally blew his, his perspective out of the water. He totally changed his perspective. Because basically uh, God gave him his perspective, a kingdom perspective, and it's simply this. It's, Paul, I love everybody. Paul, I want everyone to know me. Uh, Paul, that, I mean, that's every tribe, every tongue, that's Jew and Gentile. I want everyone, and Paul, so I'm sending you, I'm giving you this message, the story of Jesus, and I'm sending you, uh, I'm going to send you to all kinds of places and to all kinds of people. It's a big mission. Paul, this mission is on no matter what. No matter what you're going through, no matter, you know, no matter what situation you're in, this is a big mission, and the mission is on. So reading these first three verses, what I'm getting at is for Paul... Uh, we see him walking out this mission. Acts 24, he's a prisoner. Uh, you know, here he is in chains. And in Acts 24, he's, here he is. He's standing before Governor Felix. And, is, and, and the mission is still on. So he, he, he gives his defense. He tells his story. The next chapter, it's Acts 25. And here we go again. Now he's before Governor Festus. And, and he's in chains. Another court. He gives his defense. The mission is still on. And now in Acts 26, it's the same thing. Here he is before King Agrippa. And again, Paul's like, okay, you know, another group, different, different venue, but here we go again. The mission continues no matter what is going on. And it's like the, the picture I get is when God, you know, said, Paul, come follow me. I got a, I got a job for you. I got a mission for you. It's, it's, it, uh, it's like he gave him a fishing rod, right? He said, I'm gonna, I want you to take this fishing rod, Paul, and I want you to go and catch men, right? Be fishers of men, catch catch people with this fishing rod. And I know, you know, I have friends that are fishermen. I'm not a fisherman at all, or fisher woman, fisher person. I know when we, we've taken teams to Brazil, and what always amazes me about fishermen, fisher people, I'm just trying to include the ladies because I know Penny's here, and I don't want to because she is such a fisher person, <laughs> that uh, what amazes me is, and I'm sure she has a fishing rod in her purse right now, what amazes me that's, is fishermen always have, you know, a fishing rod with him, don't they? Like, it seems that way. We go to Brazil and someone, they take out, it looks like a pen. I'm like, oh, that's a cool pen. It's like, no, it's a fishing rod. It's like, man. So you guys get this. But basically he's saying to Paul, this is a big mission. Wherever you go, whatever you do, the mission is on. So wherever he goes, he's fishing. He goes to the synagogue. He's fishing. He's walking down the street. He's fishing. He's on a boat sailing somewhere. He's fishing. He, he's in the marketplace. He's in prison. He's fishing. He's in court. He's fishing. What we see is that, you know, a kingdom perspective, <coughs> excuse me, is that it's always fishing season. So let me ask you a question. How would that, that perspective, how would that change the way, right, that, that, that picture of, you know, you, like, uh, that you've always got a fishing rod, that the mission is always on, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you feel, 
That the, the mission is always on. How would that impact the way, you know, when you go to work tomorrow, how would that impact the way you see the people you work with? Right, a kingdom perspective is God's looking at everyone you're going to see tomorrow, and his heart is, I want them to know me. I don't want anyone that you work with to be lost, right, or anyone in your neighborhood or wherever you go, right? How would that impact the way you see people to, uh, you know, to, to really grab onto that perspective? But the mission is on. It's always fishing season. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy as a pastor is I, uh, I oversee men's ministry. And uh, uh, periodically I sit down with the men's group leaders. We have guys who lead, lead men's groups. And so I'll sit down with them just to check up. How are you doing? How's your group going? You know, uh, and really just to hang out and spend time together. And there's one, one of our men's group leaders that I always look forward to, uh, to sitting down with. Because he, he always has great fishing stories for me he's retired I mean he worked hard and, and you know now he's gone into retirement and I and I think just to, you know to keep busy he's taken a job as a, uh, a school bus driver and so whenever we get together every time he comes with a fishing story of how he is a bus driver looking in that huge mirror you know and above that looking at all these kids he tells stories of how he's prayed with some little guy little gal how he's, you know, spoken in their life to encourage them, how he's praying for families, how, I mean, just every time there's a story of, of how, really, how he's gone fishing. And, and to me, what stands out is this guy has a kingdom perspective. He isn't just driving a bunch of noisy kids from A to B. He's driving a, a fishing pond, right? He's, he's got, I mean, it, there's fish back there. And I mean, just to add it off, uh, and really I'm bragging on him, it's like this last time we got together, you know, he's, again, he had, other, had another story, and, and he said to me, uh, he said, hey, is it okay? I mean, he leads a men's group. Is it okay if I start another men's group at the place where I work? You know, uh, these guys go to different churches, and I think some of them don't even go to church, but is that okay if I do that? And I said, well, that's fine as long as you give me the credit for the group. <laughs> as long as you let Danny know. No, but... But that is a kingdom perspective. Wherever he goes, the mission's on. Whatever he's doing, the mission is on. Let me, and let me ask this, or let me uh, say this. Um, you know, one of the things we see in 24, 25 of Acts is that Paul, you know, he was a prisoner under uh, uh, the governor Felix, who was a real, uh, really corrupt governor. And then there was a change of government, and we had... Uh, uh, Governor Festus, who was, he was a bit, had a bit more integrity. Let me ask you guys a question. So it's the morning of November 9th, ding, 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 and you're waking up, and whether you're happy or disappointed, whether you're at peace or anxious, whether you're, you know, packing the van to move to Canada, uh, whatever's going on, let me ask you a question. Is the mission still on? Right? Are we still called to be witnesses? Are we still called to, to love our neighbors? Are we still called to love our enemies? Right? That's a big mission. That's a kingdom perspective. So let's, let's read on. Uh, verse 4. So Paul uh, jumps into his defense. Uh, the Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the, from the beginning of my life in my own country, and also in Jerusalem. 
They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now, it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? So let's stop there. So what is Paul saying here? Basically, he's, you know, here he is, I mean, he's standing before this, you know, King Agrippa and, <clears throat> and uh, this whole entourage and he's giving his defense and he's saying, look, you know, my accusers, right, the, these, the, the religious leaders from Jerusalem who are just, you know, totally out to get Paul, he's saying, my, I'm not that different from my accusers. In fact, there's a lot of similarities. It's like, it's like, uh, I stand with them that, you know, there's hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that point towards the Messiah, this national hope the Jewish people had that one day, you know, God would send this Messiah who was going to come and <clears throat> he was going to make everything right. This Messiah would come and deliver us from our enemies and, and just, and to restore Israel back to its former glory. It's like, we're, we're on the same page with that one and, and uh, they know as well as I know that <clears throat> That uh, some of these prophecies that we read in the Old Testament were, you know, that this Messiah was going to come through the line of David, King David, uh, glorious King David, that this Messiah would be born of a virgin, that was another prophecy, that, uh, that he'd be born in Bethlehem, that he'd be betrayed by those close to him, that, that he'd be crucified with criminals. They know all these prophecies. They also know that it was prophesied that this Messiah would come back to life. He'd be killed, but he would come back to life. And basically what he's saying is, the issue here, the reason I'm on trial is because I believe it's happened. They don't believe it's happened. I believe it's happened. I believe that all those hundreds of prophecies that were prophesied in the Old Testament <clears throat> have been fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the promise. I believe that Jesus is the one, uh, uh, the Messiah who was sent, who was dead, and now he's alive. And then he states his kingdom perspective. He says, why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? That's Paul's kingdom perspective. And really what he's saying to him is, come on, how big is your God? And because of that perspective, number two in your notes is this. Because of that perspective, perspective Paul had big faith. Paul had big faith. And he's, you know, we see it all throughout his life that Paul, his perspective of God was he can do anything, right? God, I mean, he conquered death. If he, I mean, he, he, he came back to life. This guy can do anything. He has unlimited power. He has unlimited uh, resources, uh, unlimited wisdom. Uh, God has unlimited love and on and on and on. It was Paul who wrote uh, this wonderful passage, Ephesians 3, where Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Paul had big faith because he believed in a, in an, a God who had unlimited power, unlimited resources. So he had big, he believed for big things. And you know, when you talk about Christianity, you can't talk about being a Christian, you can't talk about following Jesus without talking about faith. It always comes back to faith. 
Uh, Hebrews 11, I think it's 11, 2. Uh, remember this verse now. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. 10 points. Uh, and certain of what we do not see. Or uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith's pretty important. Or here's one out of 2 Corinthians 5. We, we're people who we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is such a key, it's such a big deal uh, for us is because this side of heaven there will be so many situations that we go through that cause us to question God's immeasurable abilities. And maybe you're in one right now. There's so many times we're brought to a place where when we look at sight, what we can see, and it's like, oof, that doesn't really line up here with, with you know, the, the God of immeasurable resources right so how do we learn to how do we how do we grow our faith how do we how do we like Paul how do we grow into big faith well I wish there was an easier way but really the only way is it's it's by learning how to step into faith versus sight does that make sense what I mean is you know you're in a you're in a situation and and sight says oh no sight says oh boy I didn't see this coming sight says I don't know what to do. You know, sight stirs up this sense of, well, you're on your own. You better figure it out, right? But what does faith say? Right, again, a kingdom perspective. What does that say? It says, uh, you're not alone. You're never alone. Faith says, I actually knew this was coming. Or God, right? Faith says, I'm gonna walk you through this. I'm gonna, I, I've, got a, I've got a path for you to walk to get through this. And, and, you know, and, and, and what we see in the life of Paul over and over is we see him stepping into faith. And as he steps into faith, he discovers that God is faithful. Hey, there's solid ground there. It looked like there was nothing there before, but as I stepped into it, there was, there was something there. And, and so, so let me ask you a question. How would this perspective on life that we belong to a God of imme- just immeasurable, unlimited resources, how would it impact uh, where you're at today, right? Or, or what God is, is working, the area he's working in your life. And that could be, you may be in a hard place where he's saying, uh, uh, I know you want to bail, or you know what I mean? I know you want to run, but I'm saying I want you to stay right here with me, and it's going to be Okay. Because I have unlimited resources and I know what's going on here. And I got a plan here. Right? It's, and maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe you're at a place where God is stirring up, like where he's sort of inviting you into something new. Hey, you know what? I got a plan for you over here. I got, some, I got some fishing for you to do over here. And you're looking at it and I don't know if you're like, if, if, if you're like me, but I, I right away, I, try, I sort of... Uh, I kind of try to, you know, ra- or process everything. Well, I don't, think I've got a, I don't think I've got what it takes to do that. But I don't think I have the resources to do that. I don't think I have the money to step into what you're inviting me into. I don't think I have the, f- the, the courage to step into what you're inviting me into or the discipline or the patience or the, you know, you fill in the blank. But isn't that a game changer if, 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 if our perspective changes to where, but wait a minute, a kingdom perspective says I don't have to have all that because he has all that. Right, suddenly all those questions become irrelevant. Suddenly the faith playing field just opens right up. I mean, the possibilities just go, go through the roof. I remember um, years ago, <clears throat> this is back when we were in Canada, there was a family that 
they felt like God had called them to the mission field. That was a, that was a chunk of water. <clears throat> That's weird. But, um, but they felt called to the mission field, and, and uh, you know, so they're, they're packing up their stuff, and they're going through the process, preparing for this big change. They had a family, and, and I remember hearing their story where they're, they had a, a van and, a, and their house. They were going to sell them both because that was going to be the way that they get some, free up some cash to, you know, to fly to wherever they were going and, and, and get them going as missionaries. And they were sharing their story, and they said, they said you know, uh, we started to hear these whispers from the Lord, these whispers. And he whispered to them, hey, why don't you just give your van away? And they're like, ooh, I don't know about that. That's a, that's a faith stretcher. Well, it isn't if you have a kingdom perspective. Because it doesn't matter then, does it? And so they said, okay. And they gave their van away. And then as they were sharing their story, they said, uh, we started to hear whispers again. And the Lord said to them, hey, why don't you give your house away? And they're like, woo, the other van was pretty tough. The house, that's a big faith stretcher. Well, it isn't if you have a kingdom perspective. Because you're, you're under the care of the one who has everything, who has unlimited resources. And so they gave their house away. And it's been years now, but I remember when they left for the mission field, they had more than enough money to go. God looked after them. And here's the thing that I love about this whole thing of faith, big faith and stepping into faith, is the picture I get, you know what I mean, here's this family, if you could sort of pull back, you know, with with the camera, pull back, as God's whispering to them, hey, why don't you give, you know, your van, your house away? I believe that God was whispering to all these people saying, hey, why don't you give that family $20,000? Right, ooh, that's a big stretch. Well, it isn't if, it isn't if you've got a kingdom perspective, right? And here's what's, Danny mentioned our Beyond the Building campaign. Here's one of the things that I get excited about for this campaign is in the weeks and months to come, I totally believe God's gonna be whispering to people, whispering to you saying, hey, I've got a place, uh, I want you to go fishing, right? I got, some, I got some plans, I got some mission plans for you where I'm gonna send you out and you're gonna be like, oh, I don't know if I have what it takes. And that could be financially, that could be whatever it is he's you know, inviting you into. But, but can you imagine what's gonna happen to us as a church, as people, as our perspectives, where we grab onto that kingdom perspective and go, well, it seems kind of crazy, but okay. And as we step into it, as we step into faith that our, you know, our faith is gonna grow, our kingdom perspective is gonna grow, can you imagine the impact that is gonna have in our lives? So, I wanna make sure I get to the whole end of the story. Paul, I'm not gonna read 9 through 21, um, uh, uh, and basically because it's, it's Paul for like the third time is telling his story, right? Here he is before uh, King Agrippa, and really, it's less his defense, Really what we see in those verses is Paul's fishing. He's, he's, you know, telling the truth to Agrippa. He's trying to catch. He's going for big fish, right? He's going for a big mouth Agrippa <laughs> or wide mouth Agrippa. I'm trying, oh, I'm trying to connect with the fisherman, but I don't even know what a fish is, but I know it has gills. But, so he's, try, he's going fishing. So, and the only thing I'm going to say about 9 to 21, you can read it on your own, is we need to take note that constantly in Paul's life when he goes fishing, he just tells his story. 
We all have a story. We all have a testimony of how we came to know Jesus. Paul's saying, use it. Use it. It's a great lure. It's a great hook to use for fishing. All right? So let's move on. We're going to end off uh, Acts 26, verse 22. Here's what it says. So Paul, he tells his story, and then as he gets to the end of his story, he says, he says, but God has helped me to this very day, so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. He's fishing, right? And so here's what we're gonna end off with, the third point. If you've said yes to God's big mission, if you're in the process of learning how to walk in big faith, then the next natural step is big obedience. It's big obedience, right? Big mission, big faith, big obedience. And one of the, if you have a kingdom perspective in this life, right, if you, if you just, you know, as God is revealing himself, you're reading the Bible, I mean, that's probably the, mo- the, the number one way to, to grow your kingdom perspective is to read the book and to understand what the kingdom looks like. And, and as your perspective grows, I guarantee that like what we see in, in this, in what I read, is that we, uh, we're gonna stand out in this world. Because if you're gonna live your life with a kingdom perspective, you're going against the grain. You're walking to the beat of a different drum, like, like these people, these missionaries. I mean, that's, they would have said, you guys are crazy, right? You're nuts, what are you doing? Well, they're, they're living their lives from a kingdom perspective. Listen to this quote. It says, the world has always thought that Christ's followers were crazy. To those outside the faith, Paul's utter devotion to Jesus Christ could only appear as a mad obsession. The world system has always thought Paul's were crazy, but actually it is the world that is insane. True sanity lies with the Pauls of this world, those who build their lives on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is mad to live as the majority does, as though ultimate, as though Ultimate reality resides in what we can see, taste, and touch. See, kingdom perspective people, we walk to the beat of a different drum. We we're you know, and and a lot of it is because we aren't living for ourselves. We're living for his kingdom. And it drives our decisions. And when you look at the life of Paul, talk about big obedience. I mean, he would do anything. He would go anywhere God sent him, right? Big obedience because of his, his perspective. I mean, remember, there's one story where he gets pelted with stones and he's, they dragged him out of the city and he's lying there. They think he's dead. And all of a sudden, oh, he, he, he gets up. And what does he do? He doesn't start moaning. He turns around. He goes right back into the town to 
go fishing again. I mean, big obedience. See, because Paul, his perspective, his kingdom perspective was, you know what? My life is limited. Right? It's a big mission, and I've only got so many years to do this mission and I know that you know, kingdom perspective is the God I love. He wants everyone to know about him. He wants everybody to come to know him. He said, so I'm just going as hard as I can for as, however many years he gives me. Right? Paul had a kingdom perspective where uh, he realized that his time on earth, this isn't all that there is. This is just, I mean, the Bible says that our, our, our time on earth is like a vapor compared to eternity. It's like, ooh, it's there, poof, it's gone. However, 40, 80, however many years we get on planet Earth, literally, it's a little blip compared to the, the length of eternity. See, and that was Paul's perspective. Paul, Paul wasn't afraid for his life because he knew, well, like, like what I started in the intro, he knew everything was going to be fine in the end, even if he got sawed in half for real. I mean, I'm not saying he would have giggled through it, but I'm just saying... It's going to be fine. Because you know what? Like, I mean, isn't it? It's so hard for us as humans to grab on to eternity. Right? I remember as a kid, uh, one of the things that I thoroughly enjoyed, we, uh, in our family devotions growing up, my dad would read the Chronicles of Narnia to us. Right? And if you haven't read those books, I don't know how you've survived thus far. Because I, oh man, I still to this day, I'll read them for as long as I can. Because they have great pictures. No, but they're great stories. And here's the thing. It's, you know, these books are all about this other land that exists called Narnia. Right? And I remember as a little boy hearing these stories that instilled something in me that this isn't it. Like, this is awesome. And, you know, and, but, but what those books instilled in me was uh, the, mo- the best of this world the most beautiful, the, the whatever. It's just a glimpse. It's just a taste of what's to come. It's just a, just a hint of Narnia, of where we're gonna go one day. See, and Paul had a handle on this that, that man, let's, you know, it's like, let's just do this thing. Like, let's just live this life. And, you know, it's like, and, and then, and do as much as we can and win as many as we can and love as many as we can. And then, whew, off we go to eternity. See, and it's so hard for, get our hand, for us to get our minds and hands around it because we're so earthbound. Because this is all we know. Uh, unless you've read uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> I'll be selling them uh, in the parking lot. <laughs> But, uh, but wouldn't you say, you know, because of our, our limited perspective, we, our natural tendency as humans is to grab onto this life. See, it's hard to jump into the big mission when you're going, oh, but I've only got this little bit. I've only got this little bit of time and money and energy, so I've got to live it. I've got to do, I've got to fulfill all my dreams. Right? And it's like we're, we're white-knuckled holding onto it. Right? It's hard to jump into the big mission. When, when that's our perspective, right? But wouldn't you agree that even, even the best times here on planet Earth, isn't there still something inside this voice saying, yeah, but there's gotta be more. There's gotta be more. See, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom stirring in you. That, that's the kingdom trying to grow your perspective. Like, wait a minute. 
like to see beyond what we, you know, what we smell and taste. And feel. I mean, to see beyond our limited earthbound perspective. And uh, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, also said this, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I never get tired of that quote. See, Paul could endure all that he endured and not lose sight of the mission and not lose his faith, not lose faith in his God and be quick to obey because he knew this wasn't it. Right? So how would that impact your life? If your perspective went from this limited to a kingdom perspective where you just you saw your life on, on, you know, you, you saw it as this little blip, not as insignificant, it's super significant, but as like this limited time, right? It's, it's, like, it's, it's like the way I think this, and I don't know if this will make sense, that's a great way, so don't bother writing this down. I often look at life as it's Friday afternoon on the job site, we've got three more hours, and then we get to pack up and we go. I don't know if that makes sense, but that motivates me so often in in times where I'm like, oh, this is hard. Yeah, but it's Friday afternoon, and we're assuming we're going to wrap up all those cords and cables and load up the truck, and we're out of here. See, how would that impact the decisions you make, your scope of the mission, right? to know that your days are numbered? That's not a fearful thing. Because, you know, you belong to a God who loves you, who has unlimited resources, who's gone ahead of you to, to just to build this amazing place we're going to go to, right, forever. How would that impact you when you go, okay, i got limited time? Let's do it. Let's do this thing. Let's jump in. Let's grab our fishing pole and go out every day, whether we feel it or not, and say, let's just go start casting some flies out there and just see, see who we can catch today. Why don't don't we stand up? Uh, If you're visiting today, we normally end off our services by having all the visitors come forward to stand on the stage. No. uh, I don't know why I get such joy out of saying that. No. By taking time to pray for each other. See, because, and again, uh, what JT said when we started off today, we're not just a group of people standing in a room in Sunbury, Ohio. We believe that we're the people of God in the presence of our maker, in the presence of our king. And all through worship, what JT was saying about breaking chains and all through as I've been talking, we, we are confident that God has been coming close and he's been personal with people. He's been you know, tapping on your heart saying, you, that's for you. This is what I'm doing in your life. You need to grab hold of this, right? Whether it's mission, faith, uh, obedience, whatever it is, perspective. And so we always end off our services by by just giving people an opportunity to to respond to Jesus, to respond to what he's been doing during this time we've gathered. And and so, you know, we just invite people to come forward and we pray for them, and and that's how we end our services. And so here's some specific things I want to invite people for today. Uh, Simply, one of them is, you're just aware that, man, I have such a limited perspective on life. Well, we want to pray for you today because God wants to, wants to uh, uh, just broaden and grow your perspective and give you more of a kingdom perspective. So we want to pray for you. Uh, there's some people we want to pray for you that you would have a, a greater sense of mission. 
you feel like it's just week after week after week, routine, routine. God's like, wait a minute, it's not routine. Every day, is, it's fishing season. And he wants to refresh something in you, an excitement for the day. So um, uh, are you in a situation where you need bigger faith? Are you in a place of, you know, where you're struggling and, and you, you realize, I need bigger obedience? I just keep, you know, I, I keep running, I keep going left when God says, I want you to go right. We want to pray for you. And then I had this, uh, just during worship today, I had this picture where God was, in, in some of you, he was stirring up old dreams. He was stirring up times where maybe it was when you were younger or, you know, whether it was years ago or months ago, but where he whispered to you, hey, I want you to come do this. I've got this for you. And you, for whatever reason, life just got in the way, but I feel like this morning God's, God's stirring those dreams up again, and we want to pray for you. We want to bless what he's doing. And, and, and then finally, we, if you're sick or in pain or whether it's chronic or something new, we love to pray for the sick. So JT's going to lead us in a song, and I just want to invite uh, any of those things I've said, come on forward. We're just going to, we've got a bit of time here. We're going to pray for each other. As people come forward, guys, pray for guys, gals for gals. But, uh, oh, uh, Charles has got a word. Go for it, Charles. Yeah, I, I got a word about people that have anxiety. Um, you're, you're struggling with obedience, and I feel like you need to get prayer for that. You know, you're getting anxious about something. You have the faith, but you can't walk it out because anxiety is holding you back with obedience. And I just feel like, you know, the prayer for that, okay? That's good. So come on up, whether what Charles just said, anything that I said, we just want to pray for you and bless you, and then uh, we'll end off the service. Again, let's make sure everyone who comes forward has, has someone praying for him. couple more prayers some guys over here if we could that'd be great
seem sort of blowing up these little boxes our culture or we or our upbringing or just that we've tried to put you in just come and just blow them up Lord that you would become greater you're always greater than Lord, so we thank you for your presence we thank you for all the ways that you're breaking into lives this morning all the ways that you're uh, you know, you're, you're, like, uh, you're breaking chains, you're, you're breaking into uh, uh, places that are dark, and you're bringing your light, Lord, you're bringing truth. And I, I just thank you for all that you're doing, all the ways you're coming close, and I pray this week as we go back to work and school and just all the stuff we do, I pray that you would remind us, Lord, remind us of Paul's example you would uh, you would grow our perspectives this week that we would see our routines and schedules we'd see people differently this week Lord, give us your perspective your heart for people for ourselves Lord thank you for how faithful and patient you are with us Lord, to, to just continue the work you're doing in our lives Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.